Alright, welcome back to the 13th episode. I am your gracious host, Matt Berkey, with my gracious co-host, Christian Soto. Welcome back, buddy. I should fucking kill you. <laughs> Listen, everybody, Salt for Why, episode number 13, the vlogcast. The kids are back in the building. I'm trying to get lit. I, I, I saw this new edition thing. Like, yeah. We're on that lean. We're trying to get sponsored by Ghost. No, we're on that lean. What, what does that mean? You don't know what lean is? No. Oh, my God. Lean is like scissor. You know what scissor is? Kind of. Scissor. It's like coating cough syrup yeah. and Kool-Aid or some shit. Yeah, it's like Lil Wayne. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's wheezy. <laughs> don't you ever know? do that again. Um, all right. So, episode number 13. I was gone <laughs> for a couple weeks. I saw the comments. They really liked Nick Howard. They like me a little bit more. I don't mind. Uh, I really enjoyed watching you guys. I thought there was like a little bit of a different tone. I thought we missed you, man. The dictionary was out on every episode. I thought it was fun. I thought it was like really interesting to see like both of you kind of, you know, two peas in a pod. Is that, is that a thing? That's a thing. Uh, you're yeah. learning. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, that was good. All right. So there's a couple things to talk about. And first thing off the jump, the fuck happened to my flag, man? Whose decision was that? Um, you I mean, know, I like it here, but it's it, fine. It was, it felt wrong. Because of Nick? Yeah. He didn't fit the bill? No. Yeah, he's not, he's not swag enough. He's not Dominican. That's not, clear. Not swag enough. Uh, I, thought, I thought going with a little branding back there. Yeah, but it's like your quote. Oh, I mean, that, that was just happenstance. I didn't have another Salt for White banner laying around. I feel you. All right, so... We could put the chin poster up back there, the pain scale. You love that one. I love that one. Cut to the poster. People love that one. Um, all right, so... A poster's $9.99 in the store. Get it while it's hot. It is $9.99 in the store. All right, so a couple of things that I saw on Twitter this week. We'll do our weekly Twitter update. Mm. You got into a little bit of a... Of a thing with Sean D, just a little, little that back and forth. It wasn't really a thing, but I thought the discussion was interesting. Okay. So Joe Ingram says, you know, what if we weren't necessarily counting gross uh, results for MTTs, but rather net, uh, and like you know, calculate people's binds and things like that? And you responded saying, No, he said the opposite. Uh, wasn't he it? said, What if we, what if we tracked cash games the way we track MTTs? Right, right. That's what I was saying. And then, and then he said, Like, what if we track? No, then you said you wish they tracked cash games that right, way. Right. I was agreeing with him. Right, right. Okay, cool. So, do you think there is a problem though with the way that MTTs are calculated right now? We don't know what people are in for. We just know what they're cashing. Well, it's not know. a problem per se. I think Kruk kind of summed this up really eloquently mm. where it's like none of it matters. Right. The tracking mechanisms are so flawed that anybody who's like pointing to some sort of highlight reel is just kind of like puffing their chest anyway. But yeah, I mean, it, it's kind of unfair in a way that, you know, Negreanu made it atop the, the list, yeah. accumulated 40 million in earnings playing like... 10Ks yeah, and below. For sure. And then you just get snapped past twice in the matter of a few months right. by people who are playing like 100Ks and above. And, you know, to their credit, they're competing in the highest buy-ins, toughest fields around. And, you know, it's not to say that he's not, but he's just not a young buck on the grind any longer, you know? Mm -hmm. 
<clears throat> and this isn't even really about Negreanu or Brin or Bonomo or anything like that. It's just the system itself is, we'll call it a poor metric of success. Fair. Right? Uh, that, that's not to say that those three or four mentioned aren't super successful and that the people in the top 20 aren't super successful. I'm mm-hmm. sure they are. Mm-hmm. But there are for sure plenty of people in the top 100 who are not net profitable over the course of their career. Like who? I don't know. Okay. I'm just certain of it. <laughs> okay. I'm 100% positive of it. Um, <clears throat> so therefore, I guess I do know. But, uh, <laughs> you know, that withstanding, it's, it's just a bad... It's just a bad way of judging success. And unfortunately, like, the masses are easily uh, manipulated by these big gaudy numbers. But didn't you have a problem with this? Didn't you have a problem with, not necessarily a problem, but in the, you know, there was some discussion with, like, posting the wins and losses, not only from you, but other people said this, too, of, like, the Poker Go streams. Yeah. Like, is this just, like, another metric of, like, you know, we don't really want to publish who's losing and stuff like that. Like, let's just leave it alone. Uh, are you saying that's why it's currently tracked the way that it's tracked? Maybe. Sure. I think that's fine. Um, and, and here's the thing. Like, it's not fair. Like, okay, I'm not, I don't know Dan Shack's numbers. I don't know anything. Sure. But let's just say Dan, for example, mm-hmm. Dan Shack, don't, don't, don't get a hit out on me. I don't know what's going on. All right. Maybe you're winning a pile of money. But let's say someone like Dan Shack or whatever, one of these business guys, is down like twenty million. Yeah, yeah right. You don't want to shine a light yeah, on it. Like, that's it. not something people want to know. Totally get it, uh, and I think that's completely fine. Um, I guess, like, I thought Joe's point or Joey's point was more so that the reason tournament players get so much shine and cash games get none or cash game players get none mm-hmm. is because it's trackable, right? And you can glorify these numbers, mm-hmm. and I think that. You know the the bigger point he was trying to make is if we if we track cash games by this metric, yeah, you would see some astronomical shit. It's ridiculous, right? Yeah. It's like a ten twenty player might win, I don't know, six hundred thousand in mm-hmm. a year for sure, eight hundred maybe a million plus in a year, but they may only net like right two hundred, and that's a good player. Yeah. You know, so now that's ten twenty. Take it ten times the stakes. Take it a hundred times the stakes. Yeah, you're talking about millions. Yeah, now you might be seeing somebody who like profits somewhere between six and twenty million a year, or yeah. not profits, sorry, but yeah, cashes. Yeah, 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 cashes for right. six to twenty million a year, and you might see somebody who has like in a lifetime a half a billion worth right, of it's earnings. Insanity. But like, it's not true true earnings. Right. It's just uh, it's gross. Yeah, that was the whole thing between Sean and I. Mm-hmm. is that he tried like saying like oh i'd have a big red mark next to my name and it's like well you're clearly illiterate because the whole point of this is right. that losses aren't tracked yeah it's so dumb but uh i don't know man it's so weird like i feel like so so many people like what's the thing what's the whole thing about uh like just slinging slinging shit like why is that such a paramount thing nowadays like like why does Deeb have the need to want to say that. Well, Deeb in and of himself is right, an incessant troll. Yeah. And he embodies that personality. And I'm not even saying that in a negative way. Like, he is who he is. He enjoys that aspect. Like, mm-hmm. he likes slow rolling, and that's fine. Like, I know him well enough to have not been offended by it. Uh, and I was hot, man. <laughs> I was hot. Yeah, but like, you don't know. Like, we, we have, I would assume, at least from my interactions with him, a pretty amicable uh, understanding of one another. Like, I don't think he meant anything by it mm. other than he saw an opportunity to just troll me. Yeah. But it's like, okay. Like it, 
you know, at some point, it's like you, you're just like trying to offend somebody. Like if if every single time yeah. someone was like like tweeting out something about working out and shit, and I tag Sean D, like, yo, this is probably good for you. Like he probably won't like that. No, you know what I'm saying? Well, yeah, I mean that that's like the nature of people who rely on that type of humor, right? It's like uh, you know, we we saw this. I, I don't want to speak to to his motives or or demotive like what demotivated him or anything like that. But I think like Doug saw a lot of this backlash for a while where it was like, it gets a little bit tired when you're constantly just throwing shots at people. And you know, it's a double-edged sword. It's like people rally behind it because it's fun to laugh at others' misfortunes or Right, so that's like one of the topics about like not true uh, community, not true friendship and stuff like that. When When your common goal is to just like, hate someone else yo i'm on board with this it's like i think really not i think true. a big way the poker community is like propped up on uh, a straw bed mm-hmm. you know it's just like i don't i don't know how there are like these underlying i guess like where especially in tournament poker and i get it it's it's a lot less like head-to-head competitive um you know it's hard to win tournaments so like 80 or 90% of the time, you're just not going to. Right. And it's easy to just like have a bunch of friends. But I didn't grow up that way, man. Like the the community to me is competition and it mm-hmm. always has been. And that's not to say that I don't think there are some really fantastic people in the community. I do. Uh, I think like poker actually brings out some of the brightest elements of the smartest people. But it's just like, you know, we can be cordial and we can be, we can be respectful of one another. That That's my big thing is like, I think it's totally fine to have no friends in the community. Trust me, I know you. This is this is the, one of the first lessons I got. But like, <laughs> have respect for people that deserve it, yeah, right? For sure. But deserving it is is a big qualifier. I don't think that just by default, everybody deserves uh, any level of respect. And that's why I don't get hot whenever people just like take shots at me. Mm. It's like, okay, you clearly don't respect me, and that's fine. Like, I guess I haven't earned it in your eyes. Uh, and I'm not going to sweat that. Like, I'm going to keep trying to put my best foot forward. If somewhere down the line you think that uh, I've done something that makes you change your mind, great. If not, okay. Um, yeah. You know, let's 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 live with that. I, sorry, I, I don't I don't want to like uh, derail this too much, but I had an interesting uh, circumstance, or, or I guess like string of events occur yesterday. Just. Uh, messing around on WSOP.com. Yeah. So I've been playing like a few hours every day uh, between like 6 and 11, the 510 200 big blind cap game goes. And it's like a core group of five of us that get it off. It's this guy called, uh, um, I always want to call him the butcher, but it's not the butcher. It's something butcher. Okay. Big butcher. That's what it is. Big butcher. Uh, this other guy, Pure Reason, both of them are from Jersey myself and a local pro here, MJ Perry. And we pretty much like kick the game off every single time. And it's a really fun environment for online. Like we sit down, we always greet each other. And it's always like this level of gamesmanship where it's like we acknowledge that we are here to give each other action, but that like beyond that, there's no holds bar. No, you're just trying to step on people. Yeah, 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 yeah. for sure. sure. And it's just like, it's a lot, a lot of, just flinging shit at one another. Mm-hmm. I mean, like you're if you're if you're watching this game to try to pick up on like super sound strategy, you're in the wrong elements. <laughs> I mean, there's just some shit going down. Like 
you know, just wild stuff. Uh, I got I got six bets shoved on for 470 big blinds yesterday with King Jack off. That's like the second week we're talking about a six bet that someone went into you with. <laughs> you had aces. Same player. Yeah. I had aces both times. Um, but the whole point that I'm trying to get to is, uh, you know, with, with Pure Reason and, and Big Butcher, uh, they don't play for a living. Like, they do this to blow off steam. They enjoy the game. And, you know, I was of the understanding that, like, we were keeping it a nice, jovial environment. Mm. And, yeah, we're throwing shots at one another. I'll sit down and be like, hey, Butch, you stuck? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, just, just digs but here com- and there. Competition. Right. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, I, I admittedly, I'm a little bit harder on Perry because he's a pro. He's a pro. Yeah. I mean, right. It's very natural. Yeah. But it's, it's nothing where, like, I'm trying to, like, undermine him or, or just be disrespectful in any capacity. Mm-hmm. It's just it's a competitive environment. And, like, you know, we, we just throw jabs at one another. Yeah. And I thought everything was, like, cool. Yeah. Well, like, last night, the chat got, like, a little bit heated. So... Like a week ago, uh, he had beat me in a heads-up 10-20 match for a nice number, like 8K or something like that. Okay. Uh, and, you know, it went from me having been winning small one tabling versus him to agreeing to two table, and I just got my dick kicked in. And quite frankly, like, I, I don't feel like I'm superior in heads-up strategy by any stretch. Like, I feel confident that I can hold my own. But, like, I'm not walking around asking people to play heads-up for rolls. Right, right. And I definitely think that there's a dilution effect that takes place as I add tables. For okay. sure. Yeah, I'm not natural. a volume guy. Yeah, yeah, you know what I mean? Very natural. Yeah. Um, so I, I mean, it is, it's a dilution regardless of your volume guy or not. But like, yeah. especially if you're used to playing one, one sort of live. <laughs> right. Well, like the, well, not only that, but just like the edge I feel like I derive is understanding yeah, yeah. the pulse of like the flow and the, the uh, when somebody's stepping out of line, things like that. And mm-hmm. I just lose that whenever we get to multi-tables. Okay. So, you know, I kind of made an offhanded comment because we were, we were ragging one another. And I just like thought that that's where we were. I was like, listen, man, like, you know, you got the best of me, but like you're drawing dead if we ever play one table heads up. And I, I said it jokingly, obviously knowing that he's a good player and he's literally never drawing dead. Right. Also, it's heads up. So like you right, just can't yeah, be drawing dead. dead. Um, but I also said it in a way where I, was, I, I followed the joke up by saying, like, I think you would get so bored <laughs> at having to one table that, that like you just would you would just like lose out of out of sheer yeah, and out sense. of boredom. Like I would just wear you down that way, you know. And I guess it just like really kind of sat with him and I didn't realize it. So fast forward a week, wow. a week later, we played heads up in between uh, and I beat him for a good figure. And then last night happened and he was buried. Like uh, he had just been like playing pretty wild and lost a bunch of pots. And after the King Jack aces hand, he was like, uh, you know, could I pay you to play me heads up? What? And I'm just like, well, yeah, That's of course. <laughs> um, pay you to play you heads up. Yeah. So he's like paying your big blind or something like that. So he paid me a big and a small every half. Wow. Uh, so I was basically getting, we were playing 1020, so I basically got 60 bucks an hour to play him, and we agreed the two hours. And about an hour and 15 minutes in or so. So he I, thinks that he's beating you at a bigger clip than six big blinds an hour. Yeah. No, bigger yeah. than. Uh, he's paying you 60 an three, hour at 510. Sorry, not 60 an hour. Oh, yeah, yeah, no, 60 an hour. Three big blinds. It was 10.20. Oh, 10.20, sorry. Yeah. Okay. And so, like, about an hour and 15 minutes in, the match had, like, swung. I made a huge hero call with Ace High, and I was wrong. So, I went from, like, being, like, 3K up to, like, 3K down or 2K down, something like that. And he just, like, started to, like, really get me in the chat. Mm. I'm like, I don't care. Like, I, I literally, I was fine. I was like, actually, like, I feel pretty confident with the way the match is going. Um, you know, I'm good. 
And he was just basically like really hammering home how offended he was that I told him he was drawing dead. Oh my God. And I was just like, look, man, like, you know, I'm doing work while I'm playing this 510 game. Like, I'm just trying to enjoy myself, make some content for the, for the subsite, uh, and really get to know this online player pool. And, like, what I've come to find is that I really, really enjoy Butcher and Pure Reason. Mm-hmm. And all of this even started where Perry and I had been playing a fair amount with each other. And I genuinely meant this when I said it. I was like, you're one of my favorites. Because the kid is just fucking action. Yeah. Like, he just gives action. And, like, I really respect that about a person. It goes hard, yeah. Yeah, it's like, you, you're competitive, man. It's like, yeah, I think you're wild. And I think that, like, you know, you're making some losing plays. But, like, I'm not trying to be disrespectful about it. Like, that more the power to you, man. I also think you're probably winning on this site. So, like, yeah. you know, it is So, it is. I think that brings up, like, a big discussion where I think that there's a lot of, you know, we spoke about this before I left. And, you know, I know that probably you and Nick Howard in the midst of all these big words probably spoke about this, too. <laughs> where it was, like, there's a lot of ego attached to poker, man. Like, it, it people don't. People want to be respected by their peers so much that if you were to say something like that to him, it probably took a, like it probably hurt him, you know, because he probably yeah. respects you. He wants you to think he's good. So like I you know? never even considered that yeah. that lens of it, right? Like to me, uh, I'm so used to being the the guy who's regarded as not being able to beat online, mm. the guy who's at the ass end of every single like you lose on stream joke or like how are you possibly like whatever. I'm just so numb to the to the uh, the Opinions. inner community's yeah. opinion that like, you know, I, I, don't, I don't regard myself as like a poker celebrity the way like I'm sure Negreanu does. And so like, I'm not overly- but You mindful. are a poker celebrity now. I honestly don't think I am, but- I know you always say that, but like you are, <laughs> you just are. Like you- Okay, well then if I am, that just means that the qualifications for poker celebrity are really low by comparison to years past. <laughs> no, man, you're just, you're playing the biggest games and all the biggest streams. Like you're a poker celebrity, but go uh, ahead. Fine, let's continue. Let's the whole <laughs> point is that like, I don't view it that way. So like, I still would just view him and I as peers. Mm-hmm. And it's like, you know, I, I don't like, I, I'm not like trying to big dick him or anything along those lines. It's like, you're grinding your way up. And it's like, I came from those same streets and I get it. And like, I recognize a lot of like your gamble and like desire yeah. to win. But like ultimately, I think that the 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 crux of all this is that there's nothing about poker that's validating, right? Because you can't lean on money and say like, well, my results are validating, because we don't know how much of it's due to variance. For sure, I'm a perfect example of this, right? I've lived a good fucking life because of poker. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm I'm doing really well for myself, and it's all off the backbone of being a winning poker player. But if you ask any one of my peers who doesn't like me or doesn't respect my game. Right. You got lucky. Yeah. It's going to be a lot of like, I don't believe the results or they're bullshit results or they're fluffy results for this reason. Plays that reason, soft or the other. games, got yeah. steak, whatever. whatever. So it's just like, there's literally nothing validating or that can't be challenged when you point to the results. Right. Mm-hmm. So then it comes down to an issue of like, well, objectively I make good decisions. It's like, you mean subjectively because we don't have a true objective metric that can take the collection of your decisions and comb through them and say like, okay, I qualify you as a B plus player. You know, we don't have that, that rating system. So why does everybody strive for that? Why does everybody want to be acknowledged as a great player or want their peers to be well, acknowledged as a great it, player? Well, think about it, man. Think about anything any human does. The, the, end, the end goal in some regard is validation, mm-hmm. right? No matter how well actualized you are, no matter how comfortable you are in your own skin, 
You still want to be regarded as, uh, as being worthy of the path that you've pursued. And when you're invalidated, either by results or by your peers specifically, then all of a sudden, like you're left questioning, well, what's the point of it all anyway? Or, uh, you know, why am I bothering to suffer through all of this pain on this path if the end result is only accrued wealth and disrespect? So does that bother you since you've faced that? Personally, no, but it's because I've, it's not because it never bothered me. It's because I've worked really hard for it not to bother me. Like baseball was an amazing learning tool in that regard. I mean, like my sophomore year, I was just a fucking mess. I had to go to a sports psychologist because I went from having a starting, well, first I went from uh, being cut to then having a starting position on it, going from D3 to D2. So like I go through this wild uh, whirlwind where it's like I'm not good enough to play the lowest level. Right. I get cut, I bust my ass, and then I actually rise up a level. Then I go from having a relief role to working into a starter's role to then being announced a conference starter to start the following season. And then like two or three games in, I'm just like never right. Wow. Like nothing I do is right. I'm always getting yelled at. I'm always on a full count against the batters. I was just a mental mess, you know? So like I'm going to a sports psychologist and it's just like, you know, I don't understand why they're so critical of me. It's not like I'm not trying. And it took a lot of hard work to really dig deep and understand like, well, this is an emotional response to an emotional game to uh, your actions, which, you know, you may be putting forth your best effort in, but are you really that kind of thing? You know what? That brings up an interesting topic because I think that as it pertains to mental, like I was really fortunate in that when I began, I was like mostly in like really soft underground games where like I just like didn't play any hands and just got really good. When I got good hands, I just bet huge. They got rich. Yeah. And then like I would play like two five at like the casino and I would just like win. And like the underground games got bigger and I would just still win. Um, But that that's very that doesn't happen that much anymore, right? Like even the underground games, people are not that bad anymore. Mm-hmm. So, but I think that when I was coming up, I think that there was probably people that were better than me, or that like ran bad, and it just like destroyed them for sure. And they never came back up, right? But like they had the skill, they had like they had all the attributes, but like they just ran bad and so bad that they just like thought that I can't do this. Right, and that's the thing about feedback loops, right? If they're subjective in nature, which poker is, because we can't just pluck out variants and then Mm -hmm. look at it objectively. When they're subjective in nature like that, negative feedback loops will just crush somebody who maybe is just like running below expectation. Right. And that's why people are so desperate for validation because in those low times, when everything is working against you and you look at your bottom line and it's red and you're on a downswing and everything else, it's important or even critical to have that peer that you respect look at you and say, hey, I understand what you're suffering through. I've looked over everything that I can possibly look over that you've given me, uh, your session reports, your hand histories, et cetera. And I can objectively say that you are just getting unlucky. Yeah. And you still have a talent for this game. You're going to get through this and you're going to be fine. But when you remove that or even worse, Turn that, uh, turn that validation into more invalidating comments 
that is like some sort of negative commentary where it's like, actually, you suck and you don't belong in this game anyway. Just look at your results. Right. It becomes crippling. Yeah. And now no talent can circ- circumvent that. Yeah, it's interesting. Like I, I was winning and at the time, like I still told myself, like, I'm, I'm not that good because I know the way I'm winning. I'm just not doing anything that is talented. I'm just I know these people are very weak. Um, and then now moving on to today, like I think there's certain like kind of what you said in terms of like respecting your opponent, but like still wanting to crush them. Like there is like a certain like you met me like when I met when you met me, I thought everybody was good. I thought yeah. everybody I thought yeah. everybody was good. Mark Newhouse was the best. Yeah. Like, how do you make two final tables? He's so good. Um, and then he punted. Um, but <laughs> then at this point now in my career, I'm just like, like, I, I just want to like, I just want to break people. Like, I, I want them to just be like, All right, I can't play this game anymore. Yeah. Like, to the point where it's just like, I can't call this bet. You know? And it's Yo, like, I actually thought that was really funny. When we were playing last week. Uh, Perry was like, I'm feeling it, man. Today, we're going to break some accounts. Yeah. And he was like, he, he, he wasn't saying like him and I. He was just saying like, someone in this game is going to get their account broken. Yeah. No, and th- there's, I don't know, man. Like, th- between all the like GTO talk and all the theory and all that, like, there's still a level of like, I just want to bury this person. Yeah. And like, it's not that I feel bad. It, it, sorry. It's not that I want them to just like go broke and never have a job or anything like that. But like seeing somebody move down stakes is like pretty nice. It's also just like, <laughs> like a killer be killed mentality where it's just like, if you don't have that instinct of like, I don't want just what's rightfully mine. I want everything. Yeah. Right. Because that, that's the thing is, is that you have to operate in the extremes in this environment because if you don't capitalize on every single nuance that allows you to you know increase your bottom line and really take advantage of soft markets while they're soft eventually you get passed by absolutely and like that's that that's the big issue that um i think a lot of people are struggling with now where it's just like this big cumbersome talk about theory wave Mm. and you know, dissecting this game through that lens. First of all, like, uh, I probably do a poor job of conveying this, but like, I'm enthralled by game theory. I've been studying it since college, uh, dating all the way back to baseball. Like, no game isn't more applicable to than baseball. Like, you know, mm-hmm. it, it's it's a variable game in nature, and there aren't any obvious equilibriums. Um, so it's like it's it's fascinating to me. And I think that the the applications to poker are just like so incredibly difficult and nuanced, yet at the same time, so eye-opening and and relevant and important that I agree it's something that we absolutely need to uh, utilize as framework. But like where I disagree is thinking that we're ever just going to shift away from this archaic caveman rock stone hammer kind of mentality where it's just like this is a combat sport yeah or mental combat sport anyway and it's like i know what you're doing you don't know what i'm doing and i'm gonna fuck you because of it <laughs> one of the things i did uh last month before i left was like silently and i and it, it wasn't even something i set out to do but i just found myself doing it for a couple of times and like anyone that really wants to challenge themselves out there i think would do this like i just i was the last person to rack always yeah like i would just like i'm not racking until you rack like yeah it was just like i'll play like i'm not racking like gotta be that alpha like, rag. I'm, right, I'm right here man like yeah. let's go yeah. and it's like you know it it felt good after a while i was just like all right like i'm the last one left again and again and again and it's like all right that's cool 
Nick uh, kind of brought this up today in the meeting that we were talking about. And like, I, I think I probably don't give it enough um, thought anymore because my, my, the way I think my paradigm is just like shifted kind of bigger picture now. Yeah. But there's definitely something to, uh, to curating confidence, right? And just doing small actions mm. that continually builds upon your confidence moving forward to where you don't need that outside validation any longer. Yeah. And I, I think for a long time I needed that, like, especially from you, since like you coached me for a long time. Like when you said like the play was good, I just like believed it. When the play was bad, I just believed it, you yeah. know? Um, or like when you said like, oh, you could beat this game. I, I was like, okay, I could beat the game. Like, you know, especially when like I was playing slightly bigger games, it was like, oh, you could beat this game. Then I really believed I could beat the game. Yeah. And then I only wanted to play the big games. Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, then I was like, nah, man, I could beat. Who was it? Like DJAF. I was like, I could beat him, man. I could beat all these guys. Uh, so that was good. Um, all right, moving on. That was a lot. That was, you derailed the conversation. That's what I do, man. That's what um, I'm here for. So let's move on to... Uh, a more interesting topic, more interesting than poker. Mm. How many girlfriends have you had? Girlfriends? Like yeah, like official girlfriends. Two. Okay. What is the wildest thing you've done to get your girlfriend back? Nothing. So you, I, just, you just showered him? Uh, like you never broke up and like did something like to get her back? No. You never sent like a long text message? Oh, I mean, like, you know, like, like, obviously, long testament is not crazy, but like, you never like went across the country. You never like, nah, I did like big stuff while we were dating. But like, you knew that you knew the relationship was going downhill. Trouble? No, not at all. I honestly like. All right, so so here is here's my my timeline in in regards. Wait, get you in trouble? What to women? Well, get you in trouble for what? Cause man, you you set these fucking expectations. You know, it's like, I'm not trying to... I'm trying to build our women demographic here. <laughs> <laughs> All right, here, here's my simple timeline, right? Okay. From from elementary, or let's say kindergarten, to uh, junior high, I was fat Matt. Okay. I didn't like that. All right. I didn't get no girls. I had big buck teeth. I had belly. I'm working fat. on mine, so it's you, all man. good. I was, I was with you. I used to fucking open pop cans with mine. Mm. I, was, I may as well have been Bucky. Okay. Um... So, like, junior high, I got braces, hit my growth spurt. I literally – this is crazy. So, I started playing midget football when I was 12. And I wow, you cannot say that. That's what it's called. No, it's not. Yes, it is. No, stop. You can't call them – you can't call people <laughs> that, man. You're always call going, anybody that. That's the name of the football league. Yo, that's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> that is crazy. <laughs> Go ahead, man. Go ahead. They're going to they're gonna cancel this the, podcast. The, the, the seven-year-old team was the Mighty Mites and then the Cadets. Don't say it again. Don't say it again. <laughs> the Cadets and then the Lancers. Okay, go ahead. Man, everybody needs to grow up. This shit ain't that big. Grow up? Oh, my God. Yo, that's, yo, that is crazy. Yo, oh, my God, man. Oh, man you are going to put me in trouble, Go ahead, man. Go ahead. <laughs> That's what it was called, man. You can ask anybody who played football in 1996 and I was, at the time, uh, so there was a weight limit. You had to be under 128, I think. Okay. 
and I was five six, and I flirted with the weight limit every single week. I was like somewhere between one. They weighed you every week before nah. game time. Wow. So I was like between one twenty seven and one thirty five. So I was porky for for like five six, and like I would have to show up early not eat the day before, stuff like that. And I would like run for two hours oh before God. game time. So I'd, I'd have to do like a full game yeah, worth full of cardio game, yeah. just to lose the three or four pounds to make weight and then go play. Um, so I made weight. Everything was good. Well, in between uh, that summer and the following summer, I shot up. Mm-hmm. So I'm 5'11 now when I wow. turned 13 and I'm still 128 pounds. Oh, so you're super skinny. Yeah, so I just went from like porky to skinny. So now I'm like long, lanky, and awkward. Yeah. I got braces, yeah. acne, just like a miserable shell of an <laughs> existence. So like it took me a long time to garner any sort of like uh, confidence in my athleticism or my physical stature or anything along those lines. Like I was always very interested in it, but I had to work a lot harder at that than I did like school and being smart. So I was always friends with girls, friend zoned for life, man. Mm. Went to college, same thing, freshman year, uh, got cut, transferred, and I was just like, that's it. Smashing. This is about to be new me, man. Yeah. I'm showing up to this new school, and I ain't saying a fucking word to anybody. <laughs> I'm just going to, like, go to the gym and work my ass off and, like, you know, just I'm not being friends with any girls any longer. Yeah. So I, I, I went to college, and one of my best friends from high school was also going to that school. So, like, her and I were really good friends. Uh, I intermingled with a lot of athletes. Dated a little bit, but, like, baseball was just such a priority to me that, like, there was no shot of me having a girlfriend. I also was, like, I was in college. I was playing poker. I was playing baseball. Like, it, it, wasn't, it wasn't in the cards. Wait, so you were a virgin in college? No, I didn't say that. Oh, just, uh, <laughs> I mean, I don't know. Like, all this stuff, you're adding up to being a virgin in college. I just it's said fine I if you are. I just said I didn't have a girlfriend. Oh, this guy had swag. <laughs> anyway. Uh, graduate, move to Vegas, and I'm thrust right back into the most awkward social situation I've ever been in in my entire life. Vegas is weird, man, Ve- but we'll talk about that later, bro. Yeah, go ahead. Yo, this is no place to date. For sure. Especially, like, in your mid twenty. I mean, it's probably different now. Like, there was no Tinder and stuff like back then. Thank God. Mm. Uh, I can't imagine. Man, my nephew was out here this past weekend with his two college buddies. Unreal what it's like to be a 20-year-old in today's yeah, landscape. Yeah, I mean, it's probably way different, bro. I mean, like, there's the same core, like, values that, like, I had when I was 20. Like, they've stayed up all night playing video games and, like, getting... But now they're getting hopped up on energy drink instead of Mountain Dew, you know? <laughs> they may as well be doing, like, cocaine off the <laughs> off the table. And, like, they're just swiping nonstop. It's just easy. And they're, like, playing hooker, not a hooker. Like, wow. just go- going through everything. It's just, like, this is... I mean, like, we would sit around and, like, figure out what girl we could call if we had the balls to do so. All right, so continue. Uh, so, all right, so, you know, suffered through a lot of awkward yeah. dating situations in, in Vegas. And then finally, like, I went broke in 2011, or sorry, 2012. And I was like, you know what? Like, the one thing personally that I'm struggling with the most is that I've always been incredibly shy. Mm. And I never really realized that I projected that so much outwardly. Like, I remember when I transferred, uh, a lot of the guys on the team were like, man, we were scared of you for the first, like, few weeks. It's like, I just didn't say anything. I just showed up, sweat, worked, and, like, went home. Wow. And, like, that was just my thing. Like, I, I, I was just very introverted. So, I was like, all right, I'm going to fix this. Uh, you know, online dating was becoming, like, less stigmatized. And I was like, all right, I'm just going to, like, just go on dates. Yeah. And it just snowballed into this, like, thing where I ended up going, like, 100 first dates. 
Whoa. Over the course of like six months. Oh, this is probably about to get real. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so I, I ended up going on like 100 first dates. I think I went on like four second dates. Okay. Like it was just like, I just like, if a girl matched with me and we had a back and forth, we just went on our first date. Because like I was just in the zone of like, I just want to meet people. I want to be open to all walks of life, mm-hmm. getting to know them, like going through the awkwardness. Because like one of the first dates I went on was probably one of the most memorably awkward, awful experiences I've ever had. Okay. Like right. I genuinely liked this girl. We had a lot in common. She really enjoyed like sports. She was a baseball fan. What was her name? Else. I don't remember. Damn. Probably. She's listening. Like eight years ago. She, she was hoping you said her name. I mean, whatever. Well, she's, she's out there, bro. She was listening to this <laughs> podcast, waiting for that moment. I asked the name. She's like, oh, crushed. So we, we go on a, a dinner date. Okay. And I'm not kidding you. Uh, for the first like 20 minutes, not a word was spoken. What? And so then like, you know, I'm really like trying to like remember like what it is to, uh, to kind of like be in her shoes. Mm. And it's just like, okay, like you can't be the introvert here. You need to engage in conversation. So I'm asking like open-ended questions as best right. I can. And she's like one wording me. Damn. And I'm just like, all right, like this is just going awful. So dinner concludes, we go home, we go our separate ways. And I just send her a text, like something along the lines of like, Hey, uh, you know, I'm sorry tonight was so awkward. Uh, I understand like if you don't want to see me again or something along those lines. And she was like, no, I would love to. And I'm what? just like, this is what, what date did I miss? Right, right. For sure. So we go on a second date. She probably had a bad night or something. But... Maybe you would think, right? But yeah. probably not. We go on a second date. Uh, we go for a hike, bring the dogs again, same thing, just stonewall the whole time. So, like, maybe she was just super introverted, too, but it was just never going to work. Right. So, like, right. from that point forward, we just didn't talk. But it was the jumping off point where it was like, okay, I don't ever want that to happen again. And I just got, That's like... so interesting. Yeah. It was fun. I mean... So, was, so she kind of, like, forced you to talk because, like, you're trying to, like, engage and she's not giving anything back. Yeah, but the thing was is that, like, I didn't have it in me to just, like... And I honestly don't know that I still would to, like, talk about myself. Mm-hmm. And I was 28. Yeah. So like, I didn't have like super enthralling questions. Yeah. You know, it's more like, what brought you to Vegas? Where are you from originally? You What's should write friend? a. You should write a book. Like, hundred first dates is strong. I should have at the moment. Uh, I don't remember enough of the details now. It's even better now. Like, you just make it up. Just make shit up. <laughs> <laughs> even better now. But like, still, like, so you didn't really say like what was like the biggest thing. Okay, so you had two girlfriends. When you get when you would get into a fight, what what would what, what's your game plan? Like what's your game plan? What's All the right, Matt Berkey? So, so, what's the Matt Berkey solve for relationships? So the end result of this, these hundred first dates, mm-hmm. was uh, I met a girl and started talking to her for like probably a month and a half mm-hmm. prior to actually getting a chance to meet. What happened was I was home for Christmas, then I went to PCA, okay. and so like I wasn't really in Vegas. So we just chatted for a really long time, got to know each other really well, and it was a good foundation for like actually building a relationship. She ended up becoming my first girlfriend. Um, when uh, I I don't I don't know what question you're asking because like <laughs> yeah, why are you so uncomfortable, bro? Well, because like <laughs> <laughs> why are you so uncomfortable? Like, you're comfortable going on hundred first dates, but you're not comfortable asking a little. Question. No, it's not that I'm uncomfortable. It's just like that's not my thing, man. It's like if I get into a fight with somebody, like I don't show up with a dozen roses and like beg for forgiveness. That's that's like some 1950 Leave It to Beaver bullshit. All right, so you're swag. No, I just say I'm sorry. Like, if it's my fault, I'm saying uh, I'm sorry. You, you, you leveling up. If it's my <laughs> fault, if it's not my fault, I'm waiting for the damn apology myself. Why? Wow, just says I'm sorry. I'm sorry, strong. 
I mean, I'm sorry is a good one. That seems like the right thing to do. I mean, I don't know. Some guys like say, I'm sorry, take her out, candle like dinner. But you're just like, send them. Sorry, I'm sorry. Nah, save that stuff for like, save that stuff for when it's not in a a negative light, right? Right. Like, think, not that this is a. This is good. Like, this is good. People are learning right now. This is about to be a really bad You're going to get people married because of this. (laughs) All I'm saying is that, like, uh, you know, it's like, it's like Pavlov's dog, right? You don't want to. Who? Re- yeah, this is what? what? Pavlov's dog was a psychology experiment where, uh, effectively, like Pavlov's dog. Pavlov. Okay. Uh, where a dog would like respond to a bell, and expect oh, a treat. Oh yeah, yeah, I remember that. Yeah. Right. So it's like you don't want to. You don't want. It would like salivate. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right, right, yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I liken your situation to that of Pavlov's dog. See, Pavlov was a science guy, and every time his dog would ring a bell, Pavlov would eat. Anyway, every time that dog would ring that bell, old Pavlov would eat, and then he would drool. You just read that chapter two seconds ago. Do you even want my help? No! You're lost! You don't want to create this negative feedback loop where it's like when bad things happen they're rewarded by good things mm. right yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, used to, I used to mess that up like one of one of uh one of my like older relationships like like we would get into a fight or something and then i'll be like then we'll go out to dinner or like we'll go to a concert or something like try to like make up or whatever so that's like kind of that dog sure sure that's what you said no but like <laughs> i i think that that's like pretty relevant like like you want to do good things in good times yeah. You want to remember the good times. Yeah, and when things are bad, you should mend, mm-hmm. right? Like, that's probably the time when you should communicate the most. And to be quite fair, I'm still incredibly bad at this. The communicating part? Yeah. I mean, I think that's, like, the struggle of all, of all like, uh, relationships, like, the communication part. Or, like, even relationships that are outside of, like, romantic. Oh, like, for sure. You know, like, you and I, like, always, like, like bang heads sometimes in communications and stuff, like, so... It's always like, I think it gets tough whenever, uh, when somebody is in a particular headspace where either they're hurt, they're angry, or they are uh, not like, like, like resistant in some capacity to whatever the other person is expecting of them. So when expectations are, are like far disaligned, what ends up happening is one of the two parties is just totally closed off. Mm. And then if you're the other person who's like trying to penetrate that, it's really hard just be like, hey, <laughs> hey, how you doing? <laughs> I don't know which part of the relationship you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, it's like, it's hard to crack that. Code, nah, you know? for sure, for sure. Um, all right. Why? So, what's, what's your big romantic gesture? I don't even, look, I'm trying to think of all the things I've done while I've been in relationships. Like, I remember being like 13 years old, taking a train down, down New Jersey, like, Two hours away, and then like at thirteen. Yeah, dude, that was wild. Would you would you run away? No, like the girl used to live there, like so. I lived in North Bergen. She lived in Perth Amboy, which is like fucking far. And then like I didn't have a car. Like I still don't have a car. <laughs> so, so then uh, I took a train down there, and like saw her for the day. And then like I didn't even know that I, I had to like call my mom to pick me up because there was no train back. Oh, my like, God. Did and she that, know that you left? No, I called her like, hey, I'm in Perth Amboy. That was not a good phone call. She was like. Yo, I got a good story for when I was She 16. was like, stay there. Who the fuck? You, th- you think you're a man? <laughs> like, 
<laughs> but she eventually came and got me. But like, yeah, she was, thought she was getting replaced by a 13 year old girl. Man, that was wild. And then like that girl ended up like dating my cousin. That shit was crazy. <laughs> they have a kid now. <laughs> like, all right, all right, we can do this ping pong back and forth. When I was 16, uh, I was so I used to go to this. Um, we called it camp, but it wasn't really a camp. It was my best friend. His grandparents had like uh, there was a community, mm. and they had like uh, I don't even know what to call it. Like not a trailer, but like you know, a, like a, a getaway place. Okay, okay. Yeah. So it's like a, a a small like community or whatever, and like all the grandkids would obviously go with their grandparents. So like I would always go with him a couple weekends out of the summer, and we would just hang out, and they would have like teen dances, and like there was basketball courts, and like just you know stuff to keep us entertained for a few days. Well, obviously we would meet girls there every single summer. Uh, and when I finally turned 16, uh, there was this girl, we called her Blondie. Uh, wow. <laughs> her real name was Melissa, but like she was blonde. Oh, you remember her name? Yeah. Okay. She was like the first girl I made out with. <laughs> uh, so, uh, <laughs> man, that story can go a whole bunch of ways. Uh, so, <laughs> so, um, one weekend, uh, she wanted me to come up cause she lived near, near the camp and I didn't, I lived like an hour and 15 minutes away. Mm. My grandparents just trusted me implicitly. So I go, uh, Graham, I'm going to take the car for the weekend. I'm going to be staying at Jace's house. If you need anything, just let me know. Yeah. And Jace lived relatively far. He was like 25 minutes, 30 minutes away. So it's like it would always be at least enough of a buffer yeah. where I could, I could get away with it. So we go up there, and sure as shit, the car breaks down. Wow. So I blow a, hu uh, a hose. But, like, you know, I was poor and resourceful. Okay. So I knew, like, how to handle, like, simple mechanical shit. I wouldn't. So I got a roll of duct tape. Put the hose back on, got a clamp, took care of it, thought it was all fixed, right? And uh, basically, like, when you blow a hose, like, uh, you lose all the fluid, the radiator overheats, et cetera, et cetera. Thanks, man. Just <laughs> maybe, maybe the audience didn't know. You know? I didn't know shit. All right. Good. All right. So I, I fixed it. I think okay. I'm good. Not realizing, like, you know, I'm 70 miles from home and that this could easily yeah, happen this, again. Okay. And this is pre-cell phones, right? So this is, like, 1997, 98, somewhere in that area. Uh, so we're hanging out at our buddy's house who lives at the campgrounds, um, and Blondie's out with us, and <laughs> I have to take her home. So she lives, like, middle of fucking nowhere, like, back a dirt road. Yeah. So I take her home, and as I drop her off and leaving, it's like 2 a.m., the fucking hose blows again. Wow. And now I'm overheating on the side of the road. And I have no means to an end. I don't have any duct tape on me. I don't have any water to put in the... But you're not near her home anymore. No. Oh, my God. So I'm, like, probably 15 miles away from her and 15 miles away from, like, Grove City, which is the closest, like, town or whatever. On a dirt road at 2 a.m. on a Saturday, 16 years old, I am shitting a brick. Wow. So I don't know That's what crazy. to do. And luckily, like, this college student sees me pulled over to the side of the road, stops, takes me into town, gets me coolant, gets me duct tape, everything to fix it up. And we come back. He tells me that, like, his friend works at a Jiffy Lube and to take it to him the next day. And, like, he'll mm -hmm. repair it for me, yada, yada, yada. So all that happens. My grandparents are never any the wiser. I get back, like, 24 hours later. Wow. And, like, just stone lied to, yeah, to, yeah. to them and everybody else. That's Could have died, man. That could have been it. So then how would you end up kissing Blondie? What do you mean, man? You kissed her that night? Way before that night. Oh, all right. Well, you swagging. <laughs> all right. Well... I, I mean, there's so many topics that I, I could I could go off with this, like all you know, women dating guys in poker and all this stuff. But like, we'll leave that for another night. Um, all right, so what's going on? We, you, I heard you're giving away more seats, not more seats, but seats in general. Yeah, the seats we've been promising. I was gone for a long time. I thought I thought maybe we canceled the, the idea. 
No, no, no. We got some good submissions, man. You saw them. I saw some good submissions out there. Uh, there was it was a tough, tough decision, man. Like I, I went through the. You know, I was back in Jersey. You know, just like my phone's blowing up. Like, oh, pick me. You know, and I'm like, all right, let me see. And I, I would look at it, and I'm like, all right. I mean, you know, there was some good ones. I really enjoyed the one with like Joe Ingram. I really liked that one, like the one that he was impersonating. Yeah. I don't know. May or may not have got. I thought it was. I thought it was two different dudes. Dude, you thought it was two different dudes, and then I'm like, nah, it's the same guy. And then we had to go back, and like the dude like shaved and everything. I'm yeah. like, yo, this guy's a different person. Yeah. Like, I thought he was a bit better looking on the second one. <laughs> um. All right. So, do we want to announce the winners? Is that a thing? Blasting down the highway at 2 a.m. on a Tuesday morning with a pocket full of cash, and I'm looking for a game. But poker ain't Texas Dolly and Amarillo Slim and some shady little back alley joint anymore. The place I'm heading has pit bosses and bright lights. Because now poker, it's all math whizzes, theoretics, and GTO. Now if you want to win at poker, you got to be able to solve for why. Grand Hustle. The Academy. The Academy. The Academy. The Academy. The Academy. Come take a walk in my shoes. Just some young niggas making millionaire moves. Everything the game, we ain't got nothing to lose. If you're trying to get money, nigga, this is what you do. Gotta hustle, gotta grind, yeah. This is what you do. Gotta hustle, gotta grind, yeah. This is what you do. Gotta hustle, gotta grind, yeah. We're here, we're live. Two minute poker live podcast. I'm Joe Ingram One, aka Chicago Joey. Joining me today, we have a young man who's trying to win a seat at the Solve for Why Academy with Matt Berkey, aka Big Bet Berkey, aka Wild Thing, and he's here to tell you the greatest moments in his poker career and why he deserves a seat at the Solve for Why Cash Game Academy. I have some real issues. I try working on my functional movement, like chin. The winners. Derek Gomez. The precious Cash Game Academy seat where it all started. We've been running the cash games for three fucking years and it only gets better every time. So, the cash game winner is... Hello, I've been waiting for you three. My man, Greg Pearl, with a massive troll of my man, Nick Howard. (laughs) (laughs) My name is The Architect, but you can call me Nick Howard. Nick Howard, Nick Howard. Mother To be clear, this was 100% Chin's pick. Listen, this was like the best pick. Like I was literally dying. Like I was I I have to I have to watch it again. Why did he do a British accent? It was perfect, man. <laughs> like it was perfect because like everything Nick says is so like So what it is. It's it's like so intense. Like why yeah. is Nick so intense? I mean, I don't know. I get this too. I understand. It's it, he's just misunderstood, man. He's misunderstood. He's a chill dude. He just, uh, you know, it, it took three episodes. 
It took three episodes, almost an entirety, uh, before I could get him to crack a smile. And the thing that he smiled at, I don't even recall what it was, but it was like the silliest thing of all. Dread assessment test? Yeah. Yeah, we're just going to run him through the ringer. Have him show up in nothing but underwear and muddy fields and tires to flip and see who comes out at the end. Fair enough. Yeah, I can see that. He's pretty intense. It, it, it's interesting to see the... I don't know, man. I, I can't relate to him. But, like, I like the guy. <laughs> <laughs> it's interesting. I just, like, I've known of him, like, for a long time. And then, you know, after we became, like, associated with him, I was like, I was like, man, this guy's, like, pretty intense. Like, I don't know if I could, I could roll with him. And then he was talking about, like, all kinds of shit. Like, what was that shit called? Like, when you take, like, a, kind of like a drug to, like, enlighten yourself. Taking a drug? No, no, no. But they have yourself? a name. They have a name. Like, ah, man. You guys out there that take drugs, let me know. Like, <laughs> so congratulations to the winners. I, uh, I really enjoyed it. So let's try not to like, you know, give too many seats away in the future. I thought, I thought, I thought the seat giveaway was pretty fun. I, I honestly it. wanted to give away seats to like 10 people. It was really good. Like, you know, what's crazy. Like we ran this thing two years ago. Yeah. And I thought it was pretty successful then. And you know, Marley came through. We saw Justin come through. A one to two minute long video explaining why you deserve it and what good you'll do from it. We're giving away $3,500 seat. Pretty much. I don't like that. After my online session, I'll hit the gym. I think mindfulness, nutrition, and fitness are things that can give you an edge over your competition as well as yourself. Pick me for the giveaway. I promise you, I will be the next Fedor Holtz. I could be your creation. I could be your lab experiment. And you throw me out to the high stakes circuit and I crush everyone. The most important thing for me um, with poker is trying to inspire intelligent women to get involved in this game. So I brought along a friend, helped me get out a few quick questions and keep this video short and sweet. Julie, are you any good at this game? Oh, thank you, Bruce. Batman. Um, yeah, I'm actually pretty good at this game. I would love the opportunity to come there, three bet the shit out of Chen. I just got to the casino. It is 6.30. We're gonna check where we're at on the cash game wait list, and if we're in a bad spot, gonna play the 7 p.m. tournament. Um, but before we do that, gonna eat dinner in our truck real quick. We brought some broccoli, sweet potatoes, and grilled chicken. And then after that, off to the grind. Here we go. The, the big thing is, is that I think his ceiling is like super high. Well, yeah, he's like we could turn him into a killer. Yeah, I mean, baby bird. <laughs> he's sitting there fucking eating broccoli and fucking doing squats. The comedy was a little bit better the first time around. The comedy was definitely better the first time, especially like the the, the chin diaries <laughs> or whatever that shit. That shit was wild. That's one of the craziest submissions I've yeah. ever seen. Um, the chin diaries was good. But like this year's was like people really wanted to come like you, you felt the vibe like you felt the energy of like people like really reaching out and saying like hey i relate to you guys and i want to be there like yeah I, it was I a lot of people there. like on the like precipice of a springboard opportunity i think like mm -hmm. young people who are like in college just out of college whatever and then like others who have like worked for a handful of years removed from college and they're just like, yo, this isn't for me. Mm -hmm. And I kind of relate to like the way, where you guys are coming from. I think that you can help me help propel me to that next level. Yeah. And like, that's why I just want to give away seats to everybody. Nah, fuck that, man. You charge me $300 an hour for coaching. <laughs> you know how crazy that is? You guys got to pay. Yeah. You didn't make me a two minute video. 
shit, I knew that was, it was that easy. <laughs> I would have made all kinds of, I don't know, I would have made all kinds of freaking two minute videos. Not, no pun intended. That's why I sound kind of crazy. Um, <laughs> all right. So, congratulations to the winners. If you didn't win, maybe, you know, reach out to me. Maybe I'll, uh, I'll find some. No, we're actually going to give uh, all the people who did submission uh, one month free all access to the TV site. True story. Stop, bro. No, man. Like, they did a good job. We got incentivized. How many submissions did we get? I don't know. Like, 20? 25? 30? Times 200? Um, um. Don't, don't think of it that way. Don't <laughs> Yo, think of this it that is way. crazy. No, no, no. Don't think of it that way. I hope you guys are already subscribed. All right. <laughs> Um, yeah, I think that's great. I guess. Um, I think it will encourage people to uh, give more submissions in the future. You know, I they, think it's a they good know idea. that we're a giving company. <laughs> yeah, we care about them, their yeah. well-being. It's like Amazon. Yeah, like kinda. Google. No, yeah. not no. Those, <laughs> those are trillion-dollar conglomerates. All right. So next up for us, we're going to Reno. It's been a while since we've been up there. We're gonna go support our friend, Jason Somerville. You know Jason Somerville is the reason I met you? Yeah, you've told that story once or twice. I don't think I've told it in the vlogcast though. Mm, maybe not. Yeah. Uh, you just told it in the last episode of Origins. Check out Origins, it's one of our finest products. The finale. Uh, yeah, no, so we're going, to, we're going to run it up Reno, the cash game edition. This is, this, is this actually called run it up Reno? I think it's called Peppermill Live. Yeah, I think so too. Uh, Peppermill Live, but you know, run it up Reno. It, it, Shout out to Jimmy Horowaska. Yeah, he's, he's... I can't pronounce his last name. I apologize for butchering it, but man, what a grinder this guy is. Yeah, I went up there. He's, he spoke Spanish to me. He's Peruvian. Really? Yeah. Wow. Sick. He's, uh, wait, he's not Peruvian, is he's, he? He's like half Peruvian and like half Asian. Okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. That makes sense. Man, he is just a hustler. Like, he takes such good care of us. Mm -hmm. Hit him up the last minute. Like, hit him up today. It was like, all right, man, I'm coming. Mm -hmm. And he's like, perfect. Got you and Christian in uh, each a separate room. I'll have you on the stream game every single day. What time do you get in Thursday? I'm like, whoa, <laughs> I got a webinar to give on Thursday. Can't quite do it. But I'll play the stream every day thereafter. Yeah. Like, you're the best. No, for sure. He's. Uh, I've had a great time there. Like, I mean, he, he just takes care of everything. He yeah. really takes care of everything. And even just, like, subtleties, like, let's say, like, a, one game is seven-handed and one game is five-handed. He'll just, like, like a random draw for whoever goes to the other table yeah. and make it even. Yeah. And I think those are great things. Like, yeah, like, you know, you want to balance out the game. Bro, like, he gets just, 50 people to show up to Reno, Nevada right. and play 25-50. I think they're up to, like, 60 now. Reno, Nevada. <laughs> yeah. At all times of the year, like summer, winter, it doesn't matter. He just gets people to show up in droves. Like, that's, that's an impressive task. What do you think the games are going to be like? I don't know. <laughs> I know allegedly Randall's coming. Mm -hmm. uh, so for anybody who's looking for a little entertainment on the stream, yeah, ice, ice Cream Man will be there. For sure. Uh, I know D-Moon Girl's coming. Jay Carver will be there. Uh, Dan O'Brien will be there. I think... Uh, yeah, I don't know, man. I, the games have always been great. So I, I, I don't think that like there's any lack of action or anything along those lines. Do you think this is something that could be done in Vegas? Do you think like uh, it could be set up like a cash game festival in Las Vegas, 1025 plus at Bellagio? No. Or I mean, Aria? yes, but the reason why it will just never happen is because the incentives aren't there. Like Jimmy gives us the world. Like he, he caters to every single person like they're a VIP 
and he facilitates everything. Like I was like, Hey man, I'm a little cash strapped right now. He's like, I'll see if people want to buy Bitcoin. Yeah. And it's just like, Oh, you're the best. Right. Like, did I mention that you're just the best? Well, there's a the thing like you and I have spoken privately about these kind of things. Like it's like host in today's environment, like have, you know, hustling is part of the game. Like it's like if you look at like the OG host, kind of like whoever, you know, Molly or whatever, like, yeah, like these people that ran games, like they worked off tips, you know, and it's like, you know, they facilitated things sure. and, you know, in exchange, they made very, very good money. And I'm sure whoever's running like you know, LA games or whatever is probably making decent, a decent buck based on facilitating things and making sure that people are taken care of. So in the environment today, I think that there is a fine line. Obviously, you know, we don't know what the host availabilities are, you know, but we assume that if you're a host in today's environment and people do great jobs, you know, Brent Hanks, Ryan Feldman, like they all do great jobs, but like, is that part of the job now? Like, or has it always been part of the job to just like facilitate things for your high rollers or for certainly for the VIPs. Right. Uh, I think like where it's become difficult for them is that, you know, in the past these stakes eluded most people. Mm -hmm. So it was easy to get the pros, right? It was just like, Hey, this game is going to happen. It's like, okay, that's enough. But now it's just like, okay, well, who's in the lineup? Like, what are the stakes? What, what are the, what are the likely likelihood of it playing bigger? Yada, yada. I got to sell some action. I got to do this. I got to move some money. I got to, and all of these moving parts become now a partial responsibility to the host. Mm. And, you know, like this, this, uh, this kind of came to head years ago, whenever, uh, I bailed out of that live at the bike game and, you know, on the surface, it looked like just the game was tough and I didn't want to play. Right. Um, and while this was like a whole big deal, like, right. Sorry. This like, is, while I wasn't super pumped to play in that game, I also like didn't care. I just didn't want to play in a tough game on a short roll. Right. That seems like an awful recipe. Right. And, and can you explain a little bit like why you were on a short roll? Like, I mean, yeah, I, so, I obviously know the story. Right, right, right. Right. So basically like, um, I wired out 200 K to the bike that for that week, uh, up swing week or pole mm-hmm. week or whatever. And I was basically told that it was going to be like uh, two 25-50 games, a 50-100 game, and then... And then like uh, a really big game. And then the big game was going to be like 200-400 with an ante to be determined later. Mm-hmm. So I was like, okay, like 2-4, uh, that's not as big as the game I usually play. 200,000 should be totally fine. I can't imagine I just get whacked in the first And it was games. also a smaller game. Like there was... Uh, I, I remember, so I think it was like... One of the games was also just like 10-20. Like, yeah, which yeah, I didn't play in, but you played right, in. right. Um, so I got smashed in the first two 25-50 games that were actually like 25-50, 100-200 with an Annie. And, you know, it's like me, Garrett, and Fee were just like playing monster pots all day long and everybody else was just kind of taking like 5 to 20K shots at us, whatever. And I ended up losing like 100 in the Mm -hmm. first week. So then I play the 50-100 game, which turns into a 50-100-200 game, and uh, I basically break even. But I made it known that like, you know, I'm not going to play 200-400 with a variable ante at this point, it had fluctuated from anywhere between 400 all the way up to like 2K. Right. And nobody could really make a decision. Uh, and it seemed like the lineup was just deteriorating day by day. Like so-and-so was dropping out. Another guy was dropping out. Another guy was dropping out. I was like, okay. Like basically if I don't win in this 50-100, which turned into 50-100-200 game, then like I'm not going to play a similar lineup the next day for twice the stakes. 
right. uh, on a short roll. And that's what happened. I, I effectively broke even in that game. Um, and I was like, you know, I, I, can't, I can't do this. And nobody would swap out Aria chips. Right. So it was just like, okay, like, uh, whatever. Like, it's one big game. Mm-hmm. And, and I get it from Ryan's standpoint where it was like uh, – This was a big deal for him. It was like, a huge deal, right? This right. was the marquee. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think he probably learned a lot as a host from that game. And it's like, you know, I learned something as a player where it's just like, don't make promises you can't keep. Just from my standpoint, it's like never lock in, right? right? You know, I, I got dragged through the mud for basically committing to something that I had no caveats to. Like right. I wasn't allowed to ever, to ever have like, a circumstance where right, it's right. like, uh, you know, this just isn't for me. And by all accounts, it's like, Simply just saying, like you didn't put together a good enough game, should be reason enough to to back out. That's fair, yeah. Like because like you're playing for your, your we're playing for money. Like it's right. like at the end of the day, like I mean, we pay rake in that game, right? That's there are crazy. no favors done. That is crazy when it comes to right. that stream game, right? So it's like you know you promised this lineup, now it's this lineup. Like I should have the right to decide once again, you know, if I should be. But to be this fair, game. like I I had always been by the the mindset of like I'm not gonna uber game select and just getting to play 200 400 is a privilege and something that like i was happy to do and go to battle for it's just like i just want to be able to be equipped Mm -hmm. you know and that was just my big sticking point it's like look i know that like to you guys 100k in this game probably seems like enough Mm -hmm. but like in reality we're not not. playing 200 400 this isn't two and a half buy-ins right right you know we're playing significantly bigger this is going to play much closer to like 3 6 12 correct and I'm, I'm not going to sit there with sub one buy-in. Yeah, I always felt a little bit weird about that situation because it was like, you know, like there was Rumble in the Jungle that had just either just happened prior or, or like right after where it was no, like... right before. It was right, like it was like, before. It was like, it seems like pretty unlikely that like why... Like Berkey's clearly not game selecting if this is the game. Like this, the game at Live of the Bike was softer than the Rumble in the Jungle game. You yeah, know? yeah, for sure. So it was like one of those things where I really don't understand it. But like, you know, people are going to talk like whatever they want. I mean, the thing is, is that like the game crumbled and at the end of the day, somebody had to pay the piper. Right. So uh, I understand. whatever, I, I ended up like being the sacrificial lamb there. So be it. But the whole point that like I was trying to make back then was there was just so much, uh, so much gray area that wasn't covered such as facilitating chip exchanges. And I know that that's not the responsibility of Ryan or anything along those lines, but in, in the high stakes community, like you're more prone to get big action if you're able to do such things. Yeah. Right. You know, guys come from LA and are like, Hey, I have commerce chips. JRB swaps them out. Yeah. And I mean, that's a big deal. Yeah. Like, because that just makes life easy. Like if, if, um, you know, I don't know who are like the big LA players, but like probably like, um, who who's uh, the guy that's like he's like with Pamela Anderson like sometimes? Oh, uh, Rick. Yeah, yeah. So like if Rick Solomon comes in town and he has like commerce, he's like you're gonna swap him out. Yeah. You know. So it's like. Yeah. To be fair, like I'm not. I mean, maybe maybe in their realm I am. In that case, they should facilitate me more. But like, yeah. you know, like uh, it's easier to do for people that you consider to be whales. But even still, it's like, you know, I, I don't necessarily know that that would have been true or the case back then. I think a lot's changed since then. I think Ryan does a great job. For sure. I mean, he's always done a great job. But, like, you know, it, you get better with time. And, right. and it's, it's one of those things where, like, now Live with the Bike is, like, a staple of, like, you know, of all these things. And he's doing a great job. And, you know, I know JJ uh, helps him as well. So, you know, shout out to them. I'm sure, like, we'll be uh, there soon. They did not invite me for the Phil Hellmuth game, which looked great. I asked. Those games are hard to get in. Yeah, I asked. He said yeah. no. He said uh, Phil Hamuth is building his own lineup. And I was like, yeah, of course. Yeah. yeah. Uh, that I think that's going to happen a lot more frequently. 
between Phil and Antonio uh, and a few of these other people that just have like a collective mm-hmm. that make for a good game. Right. They're just going to They don't need outsiders. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it sucks, man. I, you know, it's weird. I'm in a weird environment. Like, this is not the dream that I set out for. Like, we were supposed to be able to just climb the ranks. Now you got to shake hands and kiss babies. It's different. Dreams are moving targets, man. You have to be adaptable. I'm out there, man. People yep. just scared. You'll get your crack. I get it. I mean, I, you know, I'll be out there. I'll be at the Reno game. Hopefully, uh, it'll be fun. If, if you and I are both on stream, maybe that happens. That'll be, that'll be pretty fun. Um, I know you said Marley's going to be out there as well, so maybe we'll all be on stream. And it'll be uh, the soft for Y versus run it upstream. Mm. And uh, punch them right in the fucking mouth. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but no, it's going to be a lot of fun. So with that said, it is a wrap. I, th- I really enjoyed this one, man. This was a good one. It's good having you back. Man. I really enjoyed the like your backstory of dates. A hundred dates. I didn't even crack. I, I barely scratched the surface of that. A hundred. You think I don't have stories over a hundred dates? We're going to talk about these dates. Okay. And we're out. <laughs>